With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. My name is Max Brecky, as always. Along with me today, Harrison Starr, aka Boilerhawk. Harrison, how are you doing? I'm doing tremendous. How about yourself, Max? Uh, I'm doing alright. Uh, I spent the weekend in Minnesota, in the Twin Cities. I ended up actually going to the game. Uh, and I'm back in home sweet home Chicago, which is... Uh, I, I like I like being home in Chicago, but also, you know, Minnesota was a good time. I had I had a fu- I had fun. I went to many breweries, drank many beers. Can't complain too much. How about how? Uh, I know you actually didn't watch the game live this weekend. You uh, watched it a little bit before we uh, are recording. What did you do? Yeah, so I went to Austin City Limits weekend one. It was a rush. Uh, that would be a lot better pun if Rush were there, but they weren't. Uh, uh, Paul McCartney was there, saw an Iowa Hawkeye flag, um, posted that to the Instagram, as did you, uh, for your uh, views in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, that Instagram is BHG Pants, uh, so a nice little organic plug for uh, one of our other social media outlets. Yeah, I thought we did pretty good on the coverage this weekend. I saw a live pig in a parking lot. That was that was something. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. I I I know how Peter would feel about it though. Yeah, no, it. I mean, my biggest problem with it was that um, it was on a Minnesota flag, and like maybe if it had defecated on the Minnesota flag, that that would have been pretty uh, symbolic. However, it had not, and. So I mean I think that's probably my biggest problem with it is that the pr- people were trying to pass it off as though it was a Minnesotan pig. Nope. <laughs> but uh, yeah, any anybody that you saw this weekend that uh, ACL that you thought was uh, particularly interesting? Well, I mean it, it was anybody you want to give a free shout out to? A free shout out to uh, well Paul McCartney of course uh, he doesn't really need a yeah, shout out. Uh, um, but some of the other ones I saw Rez was great. Um, Sophie Tucker was a lot of fun. Got a couple EDM artists there. Uh, and then one guy from your sweet home in Chicago, Supa Bui. He was a crazy rapper, did all his own music, um, and, and that was pretty good. Uh, so uh, not necessarily the fourth most memorable one, but I think the one that kind of stuck out the most, which I guess makes it one of the most memorable ones. But there are some other ones. Other big acts, uh, Arctic Monkeys, Travis Scott, sure. Metallica, um, but didn't see a whole lot of them. Sure. Yeah, it's always fun to go to a music festival and to see somebody you've never heard of or something of the sort, and you kind of go and you're blown away, and you know, like that's like one of your memories from the weekend. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, learning new songs, seeing new people, like you said, it's... Uh, uh, always fun. It's so. part of it's part of the festival experience. But before we get too carried away talking about that, uh, <laughs> there was something else you wanted to mention before we uh, kick this thing off into Minnesota recap. Yes. Uh, so basketball season is about a month away, and as uh, we are doing that, we will be launching Fran Vember. Uh, it will be a stream that will be on our homepage. So if you're looking for some basketball preview stuff. That'll be the place to go as we uh, count down the player numbers uh, to zero, uh, which is 
a secret unless you go to the Iowa Hawkeye roster. Um, and some other things, schedule analysis, looking back at last year, um, hopefully going to dive into some film and things of that nature to see uh, where exactly Iowa can improve because uh, I think there are some things uh, from a defensive perspective that – No, uh, defense, no. No, no, I know it was perfect last year, uh, but that was kind of the big takeaway from media day. Um, but we'll see. You you, you never know um, when it's just rhetoric uh, because it's media day, or it is uh, you know a real change of pace. But uh, I'm going to be optimistic, but also have no ex- expectations for this year. So uh, I am in a Missouri state of mind. Show me. There you go. Um, I, on the other hand, have no, I, I have not been able to get it up yet for basketball season. Uh, Harrison's been doing these previews and I keep every single week. I'm like, uh, I should look to see who's next and volunteer to do it. And each time I'm like, ah, I don't care yet. It's all right. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. I, and I mean, it, it's a good thing because, uh, kind of last year, um, expectations were so high. Expectations were high. Uh, football was not going quite as planned. I think, um, trying to remember the, the arc of the season, but I know the Penn State game happened, and I uh, can't remember. They had another early loss, but uh, I remember it being a little shifted where we were a little more excited for basketball than football at this point in the year. Uh, but, uh, you know, it ended up being uh, a decent season for football and uh, uh, so a season not basketball. to remember for basketball. So. Surely. Um, at 4-1, uh, you know, there's reason for optimism with football and uh, not quite so much reason to maybe look towards basketball, but that's why we're here to uh, start providing coverage. So whenever you get ready for it, you have all the stuff that you need. So, Fran Vember. Uh, Fran Vember, get ready for it. It's already started, actually. But, so, I played a football game this weekend. They won handedly, um, and I think the score was even probably a little bit closer than the actual game was. At no point during that game did I really feel as though that one might slip away from Iowa. Um, I was there. That probably I had a I had a few alcoholic beverages that might have helped ease some of the nerves, um, but at no point did I personally feel watching it that. Iowa was in danger of losing that game. I know that you had the ability to actually have known what happened before you watched it. So, uh, you, you know, I don't even know. Did you know what was going on during the game as it happened, or did you just kind of find out afterwards? Uh, so, it, it was interesting because uh, Sprint has horrible service, especially with a lot of people around. So, um, I saw the Amir Smith Marset touchdown. Um, not live, but I saw it happen. Them go up 14. So I wasn't horribly concerned. I figured that that's probably the margin that the game would probably end end up around just because that's kind of how Kirk is. He's not really going to run it up. And um, I, I certainly didn't expect Iowa to get to, to 48 points. Um, no. So uh, that was a little more of a – Harbinger to come for Iowa in terms of their offensive output, those 14 uh, two touchdowns, but um, that was about the amount I was able to pay attention to live. Um, So to your point, I was able to maybe look at it with a little more objectivity um, watching the game. Uh, And and really kind of the the takeaway, because I wanted to avoid some of the comments um, on our site, uh, which is not normally how I go, Uh, but I was... (laughs) I was chatting with Stoops a little bit um, on uh, Twitter, and really kind of his point of view is that, <clears throat> and something that I kind of disagreed with as we were going, as I was watching it, was uh, just kind of the up and down nature of the offense and the play calling. Um, I actually found it to be a lot more creative than I had expected. Um, because you saw a bunch of motion, you saw a lot of rolling out from Stanley. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know the the interception uh, when I saw it, it, it looked horrible. But I just oh. had kind of the, that one angle. My mm-hmm. gut is that it was supposed to be a, a kind of a three person route and easily should have gone deep and didn't. So oh. you had kind of a compressed field where he ended up throwing it. Um, 
still one of the worst throws he's made all season, I, if not his career. Yeah, I so that one, I had actually a really good, uh, I at the stadium, I had a really good uh, angle of, you know, where that ball was going out of his hand. And uh, it was, in, even in person, I, everybody around us was like, wow, that was... It was one of probably the worst throws I think he's ever made, um, you know, and it, it was the only interception. His only real, his real, his only words, his only real mistake, you know, I'd say probably the entire game, um, you know, it wasn't a perfect game, but, you know, that was probably his one really bad mistake, and otherwise he played a fa- fairly clean game, but yeah, that interception was very, very uh, a questionable decision to say the least. Yeah, and that one stunk because it was right after the Riley Moss interception uh, mm-hmm. in the end zone. Um, so Iowa had some momentum. Um, and, and that kind of felt like a point where Brian was falling in love a little bit with uh, a play style. Because um, you do cut off half the field. But, you you know, you, you, you make that play call trusting that, hey, if one of these two receivers isn't wide open, then... Um, you know, Stanley will just throw it away and you live to play another game, uh, another down. Right, um, which he generally does. Yeah, exactly. So my guess is there was some confusion uh, amongst the, the receivers because that was, uh, I, I think it was maybe a little more of a broken play than it seemed uh, maybe live to, to some folks. But um, it, it definitely was something that allowed Minnesota to stay in the game yeah. much longer than they probably would have, or at least keep it closer longer, um, even though they ne- weren't necessarily still in the game. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, what was it? I think that two of their scoring drives were... Uh, like 10 seven, total like yards. 10 yards, yeah. Um, touchdown... Let's see here. Uh... Yeah, touchdown six yards, touchdown three yards. So they had, yeah, they had two touchdown drives that totaled nine yards. Yeah, uh, so it's really kind of hard to be mad yeah. about the de- defense in that game at all. Um, even though they did give up thirty-one points, you know, really only fourteen of those, seventeen of them were kind of attributed to long drives, and even one of those was kind of garbage timing. Right. Yeah, they were. Uh, score a touchdown with less than four minutes left and that was a 75 yard drive where they just kind of were I wasn't prevent you know they were trying not to give up the big home run play and you know they just kind of let Minnesota drive on them which it happens yeah uh which I guess kind of what was your sense from the defense because um this is where like re-watching it or watching it for a first time after it's already happened you get kind of a sense for what to look for, which um, was something I appreciated just because, uh, you know, I was able to, to see that Iowa was in nickel for pretty much the entirety of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't notice that, yeah. Uh, obviously, the the two freshman cornerbacks, I, I think they, they acquitted themselves fine. Um, I, I don't know how many other teams, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you can throw two freshmen cornerbacks out against um and, and even minnesota's one that burnt iowa a few times um but but what, what was your kind of general thoughts on, on the defense so seeing the game live i didn't really i got very minimal opportunity to you know rewatch plays um you know i didn't i don't like to when i'm at a stadium i don't generally look a lot at the the video board that's just I don't. I don't like turning around or whatever the reason is. I just don't watch a lot of a lot of replays on the video board when I'm in a stadium. Um, so most plays I did just watch kind of once. There were a few that I did rewatch on the video board, but um, I thought that the defensive line, particularly Nelson uh, Anthony, played a phenomenal game. Uh, we're constantly putting pressure on uh, Anikstead. Uh the secondary didn't. I mean, as you said, you know, a couple of true freshmen they got burned a few times. Um, Riley Moss was Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week, along with Anthony Nelson, and 
I personally, maybe you, you know, you saw something different than I did. I did not think he played a particularly good game. Those two interceptions, I think, kind of won him that, or you know, gave him that honor. Um, I didn't think he played a great game. He got uh, he was out of position a handful of times. Anastad did make some good throws that you know just kind of flat out beat him. But I think the interceptions were kind of gift wrapped. They weren't particularly good throws that uh, the quarterback made. But I mean, other than that. Just injuries uh, are kind of concerning, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But I thought everybody played pretty solidly, you know, with the exception of, I think, the defensive backfield. They could have had a better game, which is funny to say because they had, what, four interceptions? <laughs> yeah, um, and, and I think really that, that was part of the reason that I was maybe a little concerned about the defensive backs, even without having a... Uh, the freshman in there, um, just because I, 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 from watching some of Anikstead's tape, even though they were just highlights, I mean, the, the guy is not afraid to throw it deep, and um, Moss and Brents are both pretty athletic, um, they're actually a lot bigger than I expected to be, I mean, neither of them's kind of power five size quite yet. Yeah, um, Moss, looked, Moss looked a lot more like a safety then, yep. uh, than a cornerback. Yeah, but um, they, they they certainly held their own, I think, for the most part. Obviously, just because of the sheer volume of throws that Annex then made over the top, mm-hmm. um, you're going to get beat. And, and I think that's something that is concerning going forward. Um, but I also wonder if part of um, this is Kirk's maybe, I don't know if gamesmanship is quite the right word, Um but I, I don't think he really likes running up the score at all. Um, no. So I, I think maybe throwing some guys into the fire who uh, are filling in for a couple guys who are injured who, if it wasn't Minnesota playing 59 freshmen, I, I'm not sure if uh, Iowa matches them with freshmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think... You live with it, um, but I'm curious to see how it plays out against Indiana. Um, that is kind of we'll get to that in a little bit, um, but I'm curious to see what that means for the defensive backfield against Indiana. Uh, like you said, I thought the defensive line was pretty good. It was wild though that um, Nelson had his third sack, like not even halfway into the second <laughs> quarter, and then he never was heard from again. Yeah, uh, so that was. Wild, because I, I think if I was watching that live, I'd be you know keen in on him kind of the whole time. Mm-hmm. But because I'm like, oh, he's already got his three sacks, I know he's not going to do much else. Uh, but he was right in there on uh, the sack that was credited to Monty Jones. Yeah. Um, Parker Hesse had a really good game, and like you, you see the stuff that Parker Hesse does. Um, you know, he just contains the run, forces him back inside, gets his hand up. You really understand why he's in there um, as much as he is, just because of all of the little things that he does. So and he's incredibly versatile too. Yep, both inside, outside. So um, obviously, I really like Hesse, and I, after that Wisconsin game, I'm like, oh, why aren't we seeing a little more AJ Epinesa? Um, but you see a game like that where it's just all about execution and. That's what Parker Hesse does. So he um, he executes. He's probably going to get paychecks on Sunday. It's going to be maybe a little wild to see, but he's definitely going to get a shot uh, in the NFL at the very least. So um, Yeah, he'll make paychecks in some capacity. Yep, yep. So it was nice to see him do well uh, per usual, but that's kind of what, you know, workmanlike, yada, 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 whatever cliche you want to use. Um, he's the, He is that, and... Uh, I thought he had a really nice game, too. Um, and then, I guess kind of the other thing is ma- the hooker playing, they call it a star. Uh, and and I'm, I, I researched that a little bit. And it comes really from Saban when he was on Belichick's, Belichick's staff, I would assume also with Ferentz. Um, but the way I read into it was um, Georgia a couple years ago was – trying to find someone to play that position on their defense. Um, And and my assumption is that that was something that Iowa took from 
Georgia a couple years ago when they went down there, when they got the rotate defensive linemen, um, and this is kind of the do-it-all uh, defensive back, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like Charles Woodson on that uh, Green Bay Packers Super Bowl team. Sure. Um, so, so I thought that was interesting. It didn't always work because when uh, Minnesota went run-heavy, uh, Hooker definitely struggled on the edge. Um, but in pass coverage, I thought he did pretty well. Uh, yeah, no, I thought that uh, Hooker was pretty good. I Yeah, I noticed a lot of nickel in this one. Cause I noticed a lot of uh, Geno Stone on the field. I noticed Hooker lined up with the linebackers. Um, yeah, I thought he had a real good game. I was actually really pleasantly surprised by Amani Jones this week. Uh, you know, he... I mean, after week one, you know, he lost his starting job. He didn't look good week one. He looked pretty, you know, solid, you know, in all facets of the game, I thought, um, from what I noticed him uh, this past weekend. You know, he didn't really look out of position like he did in his first start of the season. Uh, You know, he was dependable. He led the team with nine tackles, five solo. A couple tackles for loss at that. But, you know, I was very pleasantly surprised. I actually didn't see the targeting penalty. Um, I I still haven't seen it. Uh, I don't know if it was or was not targeting. I know that Iowa's going about it, and they're saying that they thought it was just a good hard tackle and that they're not teaching anybody to do anything differently. Um, But, yeah, no, I haven't seen that, and I actually... so. Yeah, no, but so I I think that'll be a big loss um, this upcoming week, especially with the other injuries at that position. Yeah, that hit particularly, it was it was definitely clean, but it was definitely hard. So um, he did live leave his feet, which I think is kind of the letter of the law with um, the targeting play. And, and to your point earlier, though, I thought he played a lot better than he did against Northern Illinois. There was really only one time I saw him where uh, he really was out of position, uh, and it resulted in a little bit of a gain because he was in one seam and uh, the ball went through the other. Um, but you see some of the tackles that he does make. Like, he, he can tackle. Um, yeah. and, and so you, it was nice to see the flashes that um, coaches saw and gave him the starting role for. Uh, but I almost think that um, it might be for the best that he's not in there against Indiana just because I think they can do a lot of misdirection. Um, but I, I – I just don't know because I, I think you, you want him in there because he's probably the best player, but uh, and that's the position that he plays versus Christian Welch basically having to to kind of learn a new position for at least one half of uh, the game against Indiana. Yeah, when did they change that rule? Did they, is that a new uh, amendment to the targeting rule that it's only you're suspended for a half of the next game now? Yeah, I think they made it so that you have to miss – parts of two consecutive halves mm, okay because i remembered when i remember it being a full game and so i thought that maybe i had missed it in the first half of the game and i just couldn't remember you know seeing it happen and i asked uh, my fiance who i attended with i said do you remember the iowa player getting ejected she's like no yeah that was the weirdest thing because i knew it was going to happen and like the clock's ticking down and ticking down and ticking down and it's like with a minute left that it happened so yeah like, he kind of got his money's worth out of it because he really didn't miss much of the game against Minnesota. He's only going to miss a half against Indiana. He might have hurt the Minnesota player, um, but I don't think he really hurt him. Uh, although a concussion is a concussion, if that's the case. But it was a clean hit. It wasn't dirty. It just was kind of... It's how he plays. Um, and you, as a coach, do your best to teach him to do uh what's right and i think he did what's right it just you know those plays happen now and they're gonna get called because you know they're they're afraid of player safety as they should be uh so i think it's the type of thing where you're better safe than sorry um because i do think it changes the way players are tackling and uh the safety aspect for both the the tackler and the the defenseless player and this circumstance yeah for sure 
Um, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll have to go back and look at it. I probably should have gone back and looked at it before we recorded this, but alas, I did not. Um, I would know we touched a little bit on Nate Stanley and the offense. Um, and not really much. We just kind of mentioned, gloss over the interception he threw and that he had a pretty solid game. But what do you make of what you saw of the offense? Because I am encouraged by the passing game. I am incredibly discouraged by the running game. Yeah, um, I would say that I am very encouraged by the passing game. Uh, I know this time last week, or maybe two weeks ago, uh, I, I made kind of the Snyder mark. Oh, they talk about how they uh, learned this in New England, and we only saw it once on that right. pass to Nick Easley. Right. But we saw a ton of those little intermediate throws, 5, 10 yards to all different players. Um, so I was very encouraged in that respect, um, just kind of spreading the ball around, getting the ball to, to different players. And I think it's the type of thing where – you know, if you expect that you're going to get the ball, then you're going to expect that you're going to catch it versus, oh, I'm look at the ball's coming my direction. I have to catch it now. I, I think there's some psychology that really helped Iowa this game um, going forward because you could definitely see there was a ton of confidence getting built, especially with Brandon Smith in my view. Yeah, something I hadn't realized watching the game and now looking at the stats I'm seeing, Stanley threw the ball 39 times. Yeah. I knew he had thrown it a good amount. I didn't realize that he had th- thrown it about 40 times for over 300. Uh, but I guess that in order to move the ball against Minnesota, they really needed to. They rushed 40 times for 106 yards. Uh, the leading rusher and leading carrier was uh, IKM, 20 carries, 47 yards, which is uh, not great. No, it isn't, but... The the reason I was maybe not as discouraged as you in the run game is there were some plays that we saw out of them that we don't always see, and they worked. So it's like, why don't you run them more? But that's such probably... As, such as what? A lot of pulling action. Um, there was times where uh, I think the two of their longest plays were – where Wirfs got out as the lead blocker with either the center or the guard. Um, someone else held the edge, and uh, I think it was Torn Young had a run right down the right side of the field going left. Um, they did that a couple times. Uh, I feel like the inside runs are okay. Um, but when you're going against a team like Minnesota, that's, uh, you know, Stacking seven in the box, eight at times, and crashing maybe all those plus one towards the line of scrimmage. You're going to have to um, find ways around it. And I think by passing it the way they did, that kind of left that balance away. Uh, And even throughout the second half, I saw more um, jet sweep stuff. Uh, Not necessarily actual sweeps, but just kind of getting the eyes moving on the defense. Uh, so I think the creativity is there. The the play calling maybe not might might not be the best. It turned uh, the corner from the Wisconsin game. Yes, um, I would. I def- think that it was a more complete game this time around than it was uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, I also think that just the quality of opponent has a lot to play into that. That's so, fair as well. Um, I... To your point, I don't have the stats right in front of me, but my guess is that the yards are actually pretty comparable between the two games. Um, let's see. Sorry. I think Iowa rushed for about five yards per carry against Wisconsin, if I recall correctly. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good for, point. They rushed for about two and a half against Minnesota. So about yeah. half of that. So, to your point, what I was thinking was just total yardage mm. and – 420 to 404 against Wisconsin. Yeah. But as you mentioned, the the yards per play were almost 50% better against Wisconsin versus Minnesota. So, yeah. and uh, I was and I, you know, like it's not so much that I'm so discouraged, it's that I'm kind of surprised because we you know, as you touched on, Minnesota is a much lesser opponent than the Badgers are. And 
for as well as they pass the ball, you know, that normally opens up the running game, and it just it really just didn't against the Gophers this weekend, and I don't know if that's so much discouraging as it is surprising, because, you know, Iowa's a run-first team, they'll normally get theirs on the ground, and they just really weren't able to for the majority of this game. Uh, IKM had a 15-yard run, it was their longest run of the day. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it's an, it was, it's an interesting thing to look at, you know, it's just kind of interesting when, you know, I was so predicated on running the ball and they just kind of weren't able to. Yeah. Um, but it was nice hello, to see though. dog. I know Har- Harley's excited. I think my fiance is back home. So uh. tremendous content right now. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think it's uh, it's nice to see Iowa go away from balance for balance sake. Even though it did end up thirty nine forty in terms of passes versus rushing attempts. Right. Um. I I, I do appreciate that. But it didn't necessarily feel like they were doing it to get to that balance. It felt like they were for much of the first half, taking what was given to them. Uh, the passes were there, so that's where they went. And um, I-, I thought that was definitely a successful first half. Um, and, you know, it had a sense of almost like varsity versus junior varsity in a way. Uh, yeah. Just Iowa got that lead, never really was close the rest of the way. No, they just kind of um, coasted. Yeah, but, I, but it... I don't want to say they actually coasted. It just felt like, you know, they were trying out different things, more willing to maybe do things that maybe they shouldn't or just continue doing. Uh, like, it was great seeing all of the um, rollouts that I mentioned before. Um, you know, just kind of get different things on tape, try different things out against a live opponent. Um, yeah. I, so in that regard, I think it was definitely a successful game. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think we've said about our piece on the offense um, for at least a moment. Uh, And let's just, real quick, special teams. Punting was good. Racinos was perfect. Uh, Kick returning was pretty good. I think that uh, Smith-Marset had like a 50-yard return or something around that. Yeah, Smith-Marset, he's going to break one. I mean, the... He should, yeah. He's fast. The straight line speed, I don't think is a something that Iowa's had in a while. Um, even Desmond King didn't have what. His, I think Marcet he's a lot has. more vision. Mm-hmm. King did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's a lot more vision than anything. And Smith said, if he just finds a hole, if he just happens to stumble upon one, I think he's gone. And he's almost too fast in a way, <laughs> like because he'll get to a spot and there will be a defender that he runs into that doesn't necessarily tackle him. So, like, he's got some shiftiness, but it's not... Like, he's almost at 110% the whole time, which you love. Like, I'd rather the coaches have to be be like, hey, man, just... Chill out. Chill out a little bit instead of (laughs) trying to get up to top speed as faster. So, I think... uh, from that regard, it's good, and he's he is dynamite. Like that's kind of what I, my main takeaway from that game was, other than the injuries, was just Smith Marset is crazy fast. No, he certainly is. But and I'd love to talk about this forever. The biggest thing about special teams from this game is Herky. Yeah, it feels weird to get. 30 minutes into a podcast and not talk about a, a fake field goal. Um, but, yeah, that that was crazy. Uh, snap to the tight end. I'd never seen a snap not go through the legs of the long snapper I've center. S- I've seen it one time. I don't remember when I saw it, but I know I've seen it one time. And... Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even realize it when I saw it the first time. That's one of the ones that I had to look up at the video board and be <laughs> like, "What the hell did I just see?" Uh, I didn't even realize that it didn't go through the snapper's legs the uh, the first time that I saw it. But hey, I, I like looked at the field, saw the weird uh, 
you know, kind of uh, alignment that they had set up in. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. And yeah. And there we went. Yeah. And you'd think that, like, they would have called timeout. I don't know if they had any more at that point. That was uh, that was second quarter. Yeah, that was the wildest thing to me because I, I had to go back and watch it a few times because I... I I couldn't quite get over that when Hawkinson caught it, like, he was catching it with his back turned to the play. Like, I, to me, like, that's why LeVar Woods, you know, is pretty good at this. He figured it out. There's no weird things that happened on punts that hit the ground today. Everyone was scattering like like cockroaches when yeah. the light goes on. Um, <laughs> but... Like, you saw it, and to to Ference's credit earlier today, he's like, yeah, I have to see it perfect five or six times or whatever it is, and that looked like a hard play to execute, to be honest. There yeah. was just a lot of kind of moving parts in a way that I didn't expect. Yeah, um, and I don't know if you've seen on the internet people talking about what Ference was doing during that play. Oh, yeah, I did see that. He's just kind of walking around, like, looking, you know, like, looking around, chewing his gum. I think at one point he's spitting his gum out during the play. Uh, you know, just very, very calm, collected, very Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, that's, a th- like, I mean, there's sometimes where his demeanor is frustrating, but sometimes it's just hilarious. Like, I mean, that was just too funny. To see him be like, okay, all right, this is what we're going to run. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, his very standard, all right, good job, guys. Now we'll run it off, jog it off. Yep. All right. Um, unless you have anything else to say about the trick play, uh, I think we should start moving forward to the next game. And in doing that, I think we should talk about injuries that Iowa sustained this past weekend. Um Quite a few. The injury report right now is pretty dang long. Let me. Uh, let yeah. Me so just wrote it down. Uh, so Fant is hurt. Um, I mean, from a few weeks ago, the cornerbacks are still both hurt. Ojemudia and Hankins. Uh, Ivory Kelly Martin is banged up. Uh, Hockaday. And Ben Neiman previously from the Wisconsin game as well, but that's six. Nick Neiman. Ah, uh, not so, yeah. Unless you're on the conspiracy train. Yeah, uh, nobody can prove that they're not the same person. I've never been. Have you seen them in the same room? Uh, uh, no, just two people with Neiman jerseys in the same room. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know. So that's what? That's five guys that are. Uh, six. I was. Have it as six, plus if you want to count Amani Jones being out because of the targeting penalty for yeah. half, six and a half. So six guys uh, that are out for injury. Amani Jones out missing a half with uh, the suspension. And these guys might not all be out either. Uh, Neiman and Hakane are pretty, uh, I think they're, they're pretty certain uh, out. The cornerbacks, they both played, I think, a little bit. At least Ojemudia did. I did see the number 11 on the field quite a bit. Yep. But from what I gathered, he was really just doing straight line running. Um, he has a hammy injury. Uh, and I didn't see this either, but I guess Hankins is wearing like a like a cast. Yeah, I didn't see that at all. Um, but that was kind of the word on the street um, was it was one of those giant clubs, which... Yeah. There are certain positions where that's better than others, I would say. Uh, cornerback, at least you're not going to get called for any holding penalties with the club. Mm-hmm. But uh, you kind of want to catch the ball. Um, if it comes to you. <laughs> if it comes to you. So uh, probably for the best to let him uh, recuperate yeah, on the sidelines. Unless one of the other guys is just completely unable. But uh, they both were able enough this past weekend. Um, and the the Fant injury taking place on a jet sweep late in the game. Yeah, that uh. to to me, that is just classic. The, what it's indicative of to me is just that Brian doesn't have enough plays that he feels confident in on in the red zone. That's kind of what that shows me as much as anything is just that he's. 
struggles with kind of that kind of play calling. I, I know it was a successful red zone um, weekend, yeah. but 10 points came with the special teams unit on the field. So I, well, they're nits to pick, but it's like... <sighs> well, that play is just puzzling to me because he ran it once last year too, and I don't think it worked last year either. No, it didn't. Some oh. version of it, but it didn't work. Yeah, he ran some sort of play with Fant last year, like a jet sweep sort of thing. And I remember it not working last year. It didn't work this time. Hopefully he never tries to run that play again. Unless, you know, like he really sees something with the defense. But, yeah, I don't I don't, like, I don't, care much for that play call. Uh, Fant is cool, fast. I don't think he's that fast. I think the problem with it is it's just too telegraphed because yeah. he's not able to accelerate from basically being in a three-point stance to where mm-hmm. the ball is in in a way that deceives the defense. Yeah. It's just, it, it, just the stupidest way to get injured is it, kind of what that comes down to. It's like, yeah. oh, my God. Up, up big, I wasn't happy to see it, but, you know, it's it's whatever, I guess. Uh, but maybe it's not whatever. So what are, or which injuries concern you the most as a rank of? Who's, like, from, from uh, le- do you want to do least concerned to most concerned or the other way around? Yeah, least concerned to most concerned. All right. Um, so for least concerned, you go first. Go ahead. Who's, who are I'll, just go, I'll just go about? six to one. Sure, do it. Uh, so my number six is the first corner injured. I know that's cheating, but I think that <laughs> no, you got to pick one. Uh, Ojemudia then. All right, cool. There you go. Um, fifth. There you have it. Harrison doesn't like Ojemudia. Doesn't think he's worth it. Don't put those words in my mouth, Max. You know how I feel about these college athletes. They have a lot to worry about. Uh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I would say the least concerning is Ojemudia. Then Ivory Kelly Markin, Martin. Then I have Hockaday. Uh, then I have Hankins. And then Noah Fantz. And then Nick Neiman. And really kind of my thought with Nick Neiman being the most concerning other than the fact that, you know, he could actually be Ben Neiman and he's a six-year senior out there, is is I think kind of the what we're going to see from Indiana is a lot more of um, running out of shotgun than we saw from Minnesota. And yeah. my concern with having to play hooker is he just he's not able to go one-on-one with tight ends in the run game, maybe not make quite as many uh, tackles be in the trenches quite as much. Uh, so that's why I think Neiman's the most um, important injury that still remains uh, for that reason. We're, we're specifically talking about this upcoming weekend, right? Are we talking long term? I'm talking, I, I would say it's some combination. Like, I think Neiman has the most unique, his skills are the least replicable. And that's I'm including fair. Fan in that. That's fair. Um, sorry, I was, I was kind of snickering to myself when, uh, you were, when you finished your list, because I, uh, muted myself, I'm eating ice cream currently, <laughs> and I got, uh, All right. ice cream uh Kirk Barron special? Yeah, very, very vanilla. Um, <laughs> no, no, I got something stuck in my teeth, and I thought I was gonna have to talk, so I just started laughing. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, so, um. I didn't make a list, so I'm gonna go off the top. All right, let's do this. Um, from least for this upcoming weekend, least concerned and most concerned. Um, Ivory Kelly Martin, least concerned. Um, so Max does couple. not like Ivory Kelly Martin. I think he stinks. The worst. Awful. <laughs> uh, Fireman the Sun. No, I, we have a couple other running backs that are you know that have split the carries with them. They've proven capable when he wasn't playing earlier in the season. Uh, I think that I will be okay at running back for a week. Um, and then let's go with Hankins. 
fans. Ojemudia Hakade or Neiman Hakade. I think so Hakade you, you went the biggest loss for the weekend. Okay. And I think that's specific, I like it. specifically because we're also losing Amani Jones for a half. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of kills that out. There's, you know, we've right now, so who who do we have set up to play? We've got Welch. We've got, uh, I think Colbert. That, I think Colbert will do fine. I think he's been fine in re, uh, replacing Neiman. Uh, and because he used to play safety in high school, and I think that he's a, and he's a smaller guy. I think he's more capable of doing the things that Neiman does. I think he's more mm-hmm. capable of shadowing, you know, running backs and tight ends and, you know, even taking the slot receivers. I think that, you know, I trust him a little bit more with that than I, uh, you know, do to say, you know, like maybe Welch, who hasn't played middle linebacker before, playing third-string linebacker. You know, I know Welch is a very good player at the outside linebacker position. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if he's able to adjust to inside linebacker in an actual game setting. Yeah, that's a good point, and, and I think kind of the the reason it makes sense to have Hockaday number one is just because he's been so steady, which has been kind of what I've really wanted out of the middle linebacker spot this whole season. You've got playmakers everywhere else, um, especially on the along the line, even at in in the defensive backfield with Hooker. Um, so you just want someone who's going to be in the right place at the right time, and. You just don't know if Welch is going to do that. Yeah. Not that he's not capable of it. It's no, just yeah. he's been he's been good all season. Uh, just you know, a matter of switching positions and you know having different responsibilities in the game. You know, he might be doing fine with it in practice. It'll you know it'll be t- it'll time will tell if you can do it in an actual game setting against an offense that you know shows you multiple looks. Indiana's always kind of been known for you know throwing out several looks on offense. Yeah, uh, and, and that's a good transition into Indiana. Um, wait, 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 before we get into that, did oh, you want to talk? Did you want to talk about Noah Fan's family at all? I think it's funny. <laughs> I I think it's funny that people are so angry about it, but also like I wouldn't have tweeted that if I were like, I mean, I don't think I would have tweeted it if you know my brother were playing D one football. Here, here's the thing. He's Tell me what like, the thing is. I mean, there are a lot of things, but here's my my biggest point about this is like what I was doing with Noah Fant is they're putting him in the best position to succeed, and this is normally what they do, mm-hmm. and why it's uh, kind of frustrating to hear this is especially from a coach. Like that's also the thing. Yeah. Um. But like, he's not being asked to inline block. 80 times a game like Hawkinson kind of is right that's not a skill set <clears throat> pardon me so it's like d- do you want to have him block for 80 80 is an exaggeration do you want to have him block for 50 ga- 50 other plays that he wouldn't necessarily be blocking where he can rest up and be the best player that he can be when he's on the field it's I mean, kind of I, the age of Epinesa, you know, argument. You know, do we want Epinesa to play every down and maybe wear himself down a little bit more, even like, you know, even though like he's shown the potential, but like, do we want all of the potential, or do we, you know, just want part of it? And I would almost argue we're seeing almost all of Noah Fan's potential because he's got the most receptions on this team. Yeah. He's got the most touchdowns. He's a record holder uh, for tight ends at the University of Iowa, who are only what tight ends are the best position that they're churning out in the NFL. Like, I mean, lineman. like he's, it's just funny. Like, yeah, it, man, that's, it, that's the funny thing to me, you know, is like, he is the record holder. It's taken him like a season and a half. Not even. Yeah. It took him a season in like one or two games. Yeah. Like, I mean, and he's the record holder and you're like, and, uh, and to complain about how he's used and how he's not used enough. I, like, there were times during the Minnesota game where I thought, you know, hey, this guy needs to be on the field right now. Where is he? You know, like, times in the red zone or on third down. Like, there were definitely times where I was like, this guy, where is he? Why is he not on the field? But, like, you know, I didn't think it was an agree- as They were winning the entire game, you know. 
they I didn't think it was like egregious enough to you know even like mention it to I would I probably would have like glossed over it tonight on the podcast you know if I, this weren't a discussion but yeah I just thought that was weird it really was um just because you really like you don't you don't see it from players and you really I mean uh, unless they kind of get out of the zone uh Derek Willis has been kind of a a point of discussion amongst our group um, yeah, because of what he's doing at Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, but you can't quit on a team like Derek Willies did. And, and, like, you really don't hear anything bad about Noah Fant from a uh, work ethic perspective. You certainly don't see it on the field on Saturdays. Yeah. So. And even Kirk said today in uh, his presser or whatever, you listened to this a couple of days ago in his presser, uh, you know, Fant is been the ultimate team guy you know he's not complaining about anything he's going out there and he's doing his job yeah so i it, it's just funny i guess it's kind of the ultimate yeah. takeaway that i have i'm definitely not mad about it and like you know like i could see where they're coming from like there were times that they're in the game mm-hmm. where I was like where is this dude you're right where where but yeah no, but i don't think it's so much that it's egregious like if he was no. only out there 15 plays a game i can see getting a little mad right. but he's fine like if you were like buried <laughs> yeah if drew cook was just casually getting uh <laughs> that that's when you can be mad but right nah. okay but have, now with that now we'll talk a little bit of indiana uh indiana is certainly a football team they just lost their second consecutive game Correct. No. No, they they beat Rutgers. They barely beat Rutgers. Rutgers. Uh, Indiana, the football team, is 4 and 2 on the season and they don't really have any impressive wins. They beat FIU. They did beat Virginia. Virginia is not a pushover by any means. Uh, it's certainly a, a D1 football school. Um, yeah. They beat Ball State and they beat Rutgers, who is certainly not a D1 football school. Uh, Jim Delaney. <laughs> yeah, make sure you add him. Uh, no, so, I mean, Indiana's was interesting because I was watching the game in 60 minutes. Uh, oh, you just before watched we, it. Yeah, well, I didn't watch it all. Um, watching those games, it's like a real football game's like a cigar. You take three hours, you enjoy it. But yeah. these games in 60 minutes, it's like a freaking vape pen. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's just a lot to like take in. It's just play after play after play. Yeah, you don't so, get like, to really analyze it at all. No, but they stuck with Ohio State the first half. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after that, I was prepared to watch all of it. And then I did the math, and the Ohio State had just gone up like 35 to 20, and Indiana doesn't score until like midway through the third quarter and that's their final touchdown so i'm like yeah i've seen enough but what i did see is they seem almost like a very poor man's ohio state um which makes sense because kevin wilson their old hex their their old head coach um is ex ohio state who was there when he was with urban meyer kind of instituting that that offense so a lot of run past option stuff um they'll do a lot of misdirection they'll Mm -hmm. go over the top um so so i think it's definitely a team that iowa should be concerned about um especially because their running backs do seem to be kind of the real deal uh 21 i can't remember his name but he's a big guy like 6'2 230 he's gonna be hard for iowa to take down um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he's able to get 100 yards against Iowa. Um, Stevie Scott. Is that his name? Uh, I mean, I just looked at those statistics. He's got 107 carries, 528 yards for five yards a pop and four touchdowns. I would assume that's him, yeah. Um, the next guy on their team is Peyton Ramsey, who's notably the quarterback. Yeah, he's not Peyton Ramsey. So no. they, they And plus, <laughs> having the dual-threat quarterback, I mean, I feel confident in saying that, like, Phil Parker kind of has those guys figure out, figured out. 
Um, mm-hmm. He's going to make them hold on to the ball. He's going to hit them. Um, but you never know. And Peyton Ramsey might be hurt this week. Yeah, that was some of the scuttlebutt. Uh, that, but I can neither confirm nor deny. Uh, yeah, no. Um, nothing really showing up on the Google right now. Um, in that regard. But Indiana, there. So I was just I just pulled up S and P because a couple of weeks ago I casually mentioned in our Slack that Indiana was ranked like twenty third in S and P. They were at that one time. Which is, uh, for those who don't know, it's a uh, it's a analytics stat made by Bill Connolly of SB Nation. Um, and so it's not the stock market stat. No, it's not the stock market stat. But it <laughs> but it uh, it uh, you know has it has to do with like the team's efficiency, explosiveness, field position, and finishing drives and. Uh, Turnovers are also uh, kind of thrown in there as well. I don't know exactly how he does all of this stuff. I've never really looked completely into it. If you'd like to, um, Football Outsiders has an interesting, or is where is the uh, Football Outsiders is where it's hosted. But so Indiana was like twenty third or twenty fourth a couple weeks ago in S and P. This week they are fifty fifth. Uh, and actually, their defense is pretty solid. Uh, according to S&P, it's 38th, which in their offense is 81st, which is not usually what you'd expect from the Chaos team. No, it isn't. Um, I guess my eye test deceived me, but I did only watch the first half, which is when they scored most of their points. Well, um, it's also easy to just kind of write off a team when, you know, they give up, what, 49 points in a game. It's kind of easy to say, oh, yeah, this team stinks. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, if, I, I wonder, you know, since since we got the internet, uh, I they were they did force a couple uh, words turnovers, um, and you know they have seven interceptions, six fumble recoveries, thirteen turnovers in six games, so a little over two a game. Yeah, they forced uh, three three turnovers against Ohio State. Yeah, and that was part of the reason that they were able to, to stay in it. Um, they will turn it over, too. Uh, but they kind of got bad luck on uh, the turnovers, at least in the first half of uh, the Ohio State game. But, I, you know, this game scares me. Uh, I've been to uh, Bloomington uh, for an Iowa-Indiana game at 11 a.m. Uh, I was at the night game. Ooh. Afternoon game? Whatever, what, 20, what, what was it in 2015? Was that an afternoon game? Yeah, because I yeah it was a two thirty start. Yeah, not I. Well, maybe the one I went to in twenty ten was a, a two thirty start as well. But you know, uh, that stadium it's a bit of a mausoleum. I think I was <sighs> yeah. gonna have to bring the energy. They've done a good job uh, offensively doing that. Um, but I think on defense it's gonna be uh, important for them to. You know, come with some fire, uh, especially if they defer like they've been wont to do of late. Um, I, I don't think they can let Indiana score first, um, or else it could be uh, a concerning game, especially in one that I think I was probably going to have to put out probably 31 points to to win comfortably. Yeah, I, I think that they're going to need to score. I think that the big reason I think that that's going to need to be the case is because there's so many injuries on the defense right now. You know, we who knows what we're going to get from the linebacker position. Who knows, you know, if these freshman corners are going to be able to put up with a more potent passing attack and a better quarterback at that. You know, the defensive line, we it's a given. We already know what it is. Uh, but it'll be interesting. I think that the offense will need to put up points simply because I don't know if the defense will be able to keep up with... Uh, some probably the best set of players that they'll be playing outside of Wisconsin so far. And I would almost say that they are more able to beat Iowa's weaknesses, yeah. uh, especially if we consider the the secondary a weakness right now. Um, which 
Phil Parker, work your magic. Yeah, as thin as it is right now, yeah, I would kind of consider it a weakness. We were concerned about it a couple weeks ago after the Wisconsin game, and that was before we knew that both starting corners were going to be out. So, yeah, I would definitely consider that to be something that I think that Indiana could take advantage of because, you know, they they will throw the ball. You know, they're... Uh, I just put a, I just took stats and I put them away. Um, uh, Thirty-seven times a game, uh, and they average completing two-thirds of them. So yeah, Ramsey. It's that short passing game against Ohio State. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I think the thing that concerns me that Minnesota didn't necessarily test Iowa outside with is the cornerback's tackling ability. What we saw, yeah, a lot of jump balls, you know, 50 50 balls that turned out fine enough for Iowa. Um, But I think the thing that concerns me, if you're going to throw out uh, Riley Moss and Julius Brents again, is just their ability to tackle on the perimeter. That's something that we didn't really see. They ended up with eight total tackles between them. Uh, No telling where those came. I didn't note them as they were happening, but. That's that's the concern I have with this kind of dink and dunk offense. You know, average about six yards per completion. It could be uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Brents did have a really good tackle, I think, against Wisconsin. A uh, good open field tackle that I remember, just specifically because I remember being like, wow, this guy's a true freshman, and, you know, he's already got that Iowa tackling ability at the cornerback position down because that's something Iowa cornerbacks have historically been pretty solid at. You know, you're not going to you're not gonna plow them over. You're not going to, you know, make them look terrible in the open field all that often. Uh, but I think that I do still think that, you know, Iowa will need to put up some points in order to get this thing going this week against Indiana. Absolutely. So do you have a prediction you want to go on record with? Um, well, I never want to go on record with my predictions because I never know exactly what to say. Um, what I will say, this is I think this will be another high-scoring affair in Bloomington, Indiana. Last time it was like 45 to 31, something like that. I don't remember the exact score anymore. Just so long ago, 2015 was. Uh I'll say that it's less high scoring. It's going to be like 38 to 30? 38 to 30 sounds reasonable. Yeah, uh, that's that makes sense. 35-27 was what it was in 2015. Oh, man, I thought it was so much higher scoring. <laughs> that's actually a really good prediction. You're welcome to take it if you'd like. No, I, I'll, I'm going to go 34-28. Mm, One-score game. Yeah, I just... I think it could play out similarly to the Minnesota game from 2015, where Iowa gets the lead. And then they just never are able to completely put them away. But they're also able to kind of score at will when they need to. Mm-hmm. Like, it always was kind of like... It, when Minnesota had the ball, it was always a two-possession game, right. if that makes sense. So yeah. I, I think that what it's like thirty-four or what twenty-seven to fourteen in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Indiana scores. Iowa is able to score. Indiana scores. Iowa runs it out the clock. That would be kind of how I see the the end of the game playing out. Yeah, that's foul. I could take that one as well. So we're both saying uh, one-score games this weekend in Bloomington. Sounds a little bit close from a liking, but I think that I can't picture Iowa destroying Indiana this weekend just because of the injuries. Not at all. If I if without the injuries, I think I'd feel a lot more comfortable about this game. Uh, yeah, and I I just. Chaos team, man. I mean, Chaos even though team. Iowa's won six of the last seven games, looking at Winsipedia, it's just it's always concerning when you're going up against kind of a a team that is willing to bend but play into the bend don't break yeah. with with short passes. That right. it's 
death by a thousand cuts there we go that was the cliche i was looking for um and it's something i i hate <laughs> hate being on the opposite end of yeah no for sure um so yeah uh and really quickly i know that you were asking me about this before we hopped on so at this minnesota game oh yeah <laughs> I, I forgot to mention this earlier at this minnesota game i had my first ever dilly bar uh it was a pleasant experience yeah i don't yeah uh that's pretty much all i have to say about it i went to the i went to go use the restroom and on my way back i was i saw somebody with some uh powdered donuts that looked fantastic so i walked around for a minute trying to find out where they got them couldn't find them instead i got two dilly bars and my fiance uh sent everybody i think she put it to her snapchat story she said why did you buy ice cream with the filter that said it was like 40 degrees outside you just have to live out your inner dilly bar dan when you're in tcf bank <laughs> stadium man that's exactly why um, i did it if that if that gift didn't exist i never would have done it but specifically because of dilly bar dan yeah i I'd, I'd i'd have eaten a dilly bar with you max i appreciate it but yeah no you were i think you were appalled that i'd never had a dilly bar before and i don't know how i managed it myself just never never did it yeah, it's wild for you not to ever have eaten a dilly bar before uh, I lived a quarter this past century. weekend. I lived a quarter century, never had a dilly bar. But now you can no longer say that since it's you've true. had a dilly bar. And I will probably have more in my more in my life, especially once you know I end up living in the great white north. Yeah, once you're married and starting to put on the, the winter weight, which <laughs> you need, like, what, 10 months a year? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but with that let's end things here alright Max for Harrison Star. I'm Max Brecky go Hawks go Hawks <laughs>